we started in this series where we're looking at our enemies. I mean, you guys know right now in our culture, there's a lot of like this. There's a lot of going back and forth. There's a lot of fighting going on right now uh, between people. There's people that, that feel hurt. There's people that feel like other people are against them. And so we're, we're just doing this little two-week mini-series uh, about our enemies. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul tells the Roman church, he says, if possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. So when it comes to you, if you can do it, as much as you can do it, just live in peace with those around you. And when it comes to our enemies, Jesus says this, he says this in Matthew 5, verse 43 and 44, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Last week we closed service with a prayer for our country, but we said that we don't need to just be praying. Like, it's not just like, we don't need to just go and ask God for to do things. Like, we have to be praying effectively. We have to pray effective prayers. And we said that effective prayer requires two things of us. Effective prayer requires two things. The first thing effective prayer requires is confession. It's calling something the same thing that God does. And so when you're praying, you, if God calls something sin, or God says you need to love your neighbor, but you're praying that God destroys your neighbor, right? Or you're praying that God would punish their sin, but, you know, just don't worry about my sin, just pretend it doesn't happen. You know, whatever we have to do, we have to confess. We have to say the same thing that God does about a situation. We can't contradict God and expect God to meet us, to answer our prayers, and expect God to do what we want Him to do. We can't contradict His will. His will controls the universe. His will controls everything. His glory controls everything. And so you and I can't live a life that contradicts God's will, God's plan, what God says, and expect Him to bless anything that we're doing. We have to confess. The second thing we have to do that we talked about last week is repent. Re uh, effective prayer requires repentance. That's turning away from idolatry, from ideologies that are contradictory to God, from behaviors, and from actions. So we have to say the same things, and our actions have to line up with the way that God wants us to live. We have to turn away from our wickedness, turn away from our, our, our the things that are controlling our minds and our thoughts, turn away from our bad behavior. We have to turn away from that. When we pray, when we confess and we repent, our prayers now become effective. If we want God to respond to our prayers, if we want things to change, if we really want His presence in our lives, we have to pray effective prayers. We have to pray prayers of confession and repentance. One thing that we can probably agree on right now, across the board, I don't care how you voted a few months ago, I don't care where you're from in our country, I don't care what's going on, we can probably all agree on, in the last year, our society has shown that it's sick. There are things happening in our society that, that show us that, that, that there's stuff that, that's, that's going on under the surface that needs healing. Our televisions have shown us injustice and riots, all while this pandemic that we're living through has taken almost 400,000 people. And, and we, we're living in this time of this upheaval and, and, and everything where people are hurting. And, and I can tell you one thing that I know for certain, 
And sometimes you're not going to get this from, from Facebook. Sometimes you're not going to get this from, from the TV news that, that we're watching a lot. One thing for certain, the answer to what fills us is not going to be found in our politics or a particular person or even a particular way of thinking. The answer to what ails us is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. When we're facing sickness, whether that's emotional, physical, or healing, James, in the book of James, and I told you to go ahead and turn to James chapter 5, James kind of gives us instructions as to what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do. And so last week, I talked about, you know, who our enemies are and how we should look at them and how we should interact with them. But this week, I want us to look at what are we supposed to do now? Like, what are we supposed to be doing? How do we fight this battle? How do we fight the battles that we're in? We know that our who our enemies are. We know who they are. We know who we are. But how do we fight the battles that we're in? And this is what James says in James chapter 5, 5 verse 13 through 16. He says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Here we see instructions on two different states of being. If you're suffering, pray. When, when we're hurting, when we're lost, when we're broken, when we don't know what to do with our lives, when things are just kind of going sideways and everything seems like it's burning down, instead of blaming God or questioning God, our hearts should turn to Him. Our hearts should turn it. We should say, God, I need help here. I need you to help me. I need you to direct me. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to direct my steps. God, help me. If you're suffering, pray. But then he says, if anyone's cheerful, let him sing praise. In the good times, we should praise. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the bad times, that's when I'm like, God, I need help. But in the good times, I'm like, uh, man, life's good right now. I think I'm going to keep my feet up and relax. But, but James says we should, we should be uh, praising God for those times. We shouldn't forget God in the good times. Instead, we should be thanking him for the blessings. James continues in James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Earlier in the first chapter of James, James talks about how to pray in faith. He mentions here that the, the elders will pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith will save that one who is sick. So whatever's ailing uh, or making that person feel ill, whatever's making them, them sick, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever it is, you have to pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith will work. But what is the prayer of faith? James is actually referencing something that he talked about earlier in the book. And let's read that. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, how I many of you guys in the past, I would say, few months, few years, few weeks, maybe even this morning, you walk up and you're like, man, I don't know what to do about this. I wish I, wish I could fix this. If I was smart enough, I could fix this. I could figure this out. If any of you lacks wisdom, James says, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach. What does that mean? God's not going to judge you for asking for help. God's not going to be like, well, you should know better. Why are you asking me for help? No, he gives generously without reproach. And it will be given to him. Wisdom will be given to you. You'll know what to do. But he says this, let him ask in faith without doubt, with no doubting. 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. We have to believe that when we ask God to meet our needs, that he's going to hear us. We have to believe that when we go to God and we say, God, I'm hurting, I'm sick, my, the, the, my family is hurting, there's stuff going on in my family that's turning us upside down, there's stuff going on in, in, in my job, we're, we're just backbiting, fighting's happening all the time, there's stuff when I turn on the TV and I see what's happening in my country, I see sickness, I see di disease, I see hurt, I see stuff happening in the spirit. When we see these things, we should go to God and ask Him, and God, the Bible says that God will hear us when we pray the prayer of faith. We have to pray the prayer of faith. James continues, James chapter 5. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he says this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It cannot be says this, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5, verse 15 and 16, this is where we get this idea that our prayers require confession. It requires us to call things the same things as God does. It requires repentance. We must turn away. We must, we must go from our way of doing things back into God's way of doing things. If you're wanting healing, from your, the hurt in your own heart, from a toxic relationship, from things going on at work, from pain that may be brought on you by a former spiritual leader, from racism or bigotry, from strongholds that control a nation. If you're one, wanting healing, you can't just move on from it. No, healing requires confession and repentance. Healing requires those types of prayers. Healing requires us to say the things that we need to say, confess the things that we need to call, call the sin in our own lives, sin in our lives. We have to own the destruction that we brought to the situation. We have to go through these steps or healing can't be completed. Healing can't be completed unless we confess and repent. I'm sure you've never done this. I'm sure it's, it's only me that's, that's ever done this. But have you ever got upset with someone and um, that maybe they did something that really, really hurt, hurt your feelings? Like maybe it was like a big thing. Like it was a big betrayal, right? Or, or maybe even not a big thing. But, but you can ask them, they just didn't do it. So you're upset. But you don't say anything. You don't deal with it. You just kind of let it let it move on. And you're just, you just stay in right? And then maybe two or three days later, they do something really, really stupid. I know this is only me that does this, right? The only me that does this. They do something really, really small, and then all of a sudden, what do we do? All guns blazing, I'm just blowing them up, right? For something tiny. But are you really upset with them about something tiny? No, 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 no. We're upset with them about the big thing, and we just never let them do it, right? And so this is the idea that we're talking about. When we don't let things heal properly, when we don't go about healing the way that God wants us to heal, then guess what? You're constantly ripping off that scab and that wound is never going to heal in your life. And so we have to repent. We have to confess. We have to pray. And when we do those things, then God can bring healing into whatever the situation is. This is something as something as simple as something 
that's just in your heart that only you know about, or something as big as what's happening in our country. All we have to pray effective prayers. He requires confession and repentance. When we don't heal properly, when we don't let healing run its course, it never is on the side, um, I do some freelance website development, like I make websites, right? And one thing that, that you have to learn when you're doing this is you have to learn what's called a conditional statement. And what a conditional statement is, it simply means this. If this happens, then that happens, right? If this happens, if the person visiting the website clicks on this button, then the website's going to do this, right? That's called a conditional statement. But the website won't do this if this doesn't happen. And if you, it's one of like the first things that you learn how to do is these conditional statements. If this, then that. And there's a passage of scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14. And listen to this with the idea of a conditional statement in your mind. Because it's written as a conditional statement. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Listen to the conditional statement there. If we will humble ourselves, if we will pray, if we will turn from our wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sins, and he will heal our land. There are no shortcuts to healing. There is no way that we can get that to happen without going through the if first. We have to go through both. We must come humbly. We must pray. We must repent. We must turn from our wicked ways. We must do these things. But our culture doesn't teach this. Our culture doesn't teach owning uh, our own sin, owning that, confessing that, repenting from that. Instead, what we do is we justify our actions by comparing them to the actions of our enemies. Because they did that, I can do that. I can make allowances for me to, to talk to that person this way, or to act this way, or to say this, because they're doing that. But that's not, we don't get them out like that in the scriptures. We don't get to, to do whatever we want to do because the people who we think are against us are doing something different that we don't like. We don't get that. No, Jesus says we have to love our enemies. We have to pray for them. We have to love them. And, and that, that, that's just so counterintuitive to how we, we think it should be. We don't get to make allowances for our own behavior because of the behavior of someone else. Last week, we read this verse, and I want to read it again because I want to just kind of take it a, a, a slightly different direction. Second uh, Corinthians uh, five, verse eighteen and nineteen. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's reconciliation? It's building building back relationships that have been broken. So we have the ministry of building back relationships that have been broken. You carry that message as a Christian. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Last week, we said that this is our role as Christians. We have, 
we have this message of, 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 of reconciliation. And no wrong that you do will ever be justified or will ever justify any wrongs that I do. So I can't, if we're enemies and we disagree, we're coming from different things, maybe we're, we're co-workers that never get along, that we're always fighting, or we're going, whatever, or maybe it's something in your family, or maybe it's your uncle who voted differently than you, whatever it is, if we constantly disagree, I can't let your wrong allow me to do wrongs in my life. Why is that? Because according to Scripture, I am not justified by the right things that I do. I am not justified by the right things that I do. When we're talking about what makes you right with God, what puts you on the right place with God, it's not because you're doing the right things. That's not how you're justified. Your justification doesn't come from that. In fact, Isaiah chapter 64 says this, that all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteousness, like the best we can do, is like filthy rags. So we're not, the right things that we do don't justify us. We're justified through Jesus. We're justified through Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. So because our justification doesn't come from our works, we don't get to let we don't get to use our good works in one area to justify bad behavior in others. And since Christ reconciled us, he fixed the relationship between us and God that was broken while we were in our sin and wants us to carry this ministry of reconciliation, we don't get to use the works of others to justify bad behavior on our part as well. Because Christ in our own bad behavior fixed it. So bad behavior doesn't lead to bad behavior, doesn't allow for bad behavior. No, we have to live better. So as Christians, we should be the most humble people out there with this message of reconciliation. If some of our weekly activities are going online, watching cable news, and the goal with the goal of getting ammunition of, I don't know what the are nowadays, owning the lids, I've heard that, you know, or, or dunking on conservatives, I've heard that, you know, it just depends on which social media platform you're on. If that's your goal, that goes against the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because we're supposed to be building bridges. We're supposed to be building relationships. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be taking people who are as lost as we were and building a relationship with them so that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's what we're supposed to be about. The message and the ministry of reconciliation. Does this message mean, though, that we just lay down and not talk? No. We're still in the battle. We're still fighting. But, but how do we do that? How, how do we fight? Who are we fighting? And, and what are we fighting with? What are, we, what are the tools that we're supposed to use to be fighting with? At the end of, of 2 Corinthians 5, when, when Paul talks about this ministry of reconciliation, we, we read the whole thing last week, and if you, you want to catch up, you can go back to 2 Corinthians 5, just read the last half of the chapter, and you can see everything that he's talking about. But he's talking about, at the very end, he's talking about how we're ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're, we're like emissaries of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. We're ambassadors for Christ. And there's another place that he actually uses this same concept and same analogy. It's in Ephesians chapter 6. 
And I want to wrap up today in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. In the same strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Your fight is not with your coworkers. Your fight is not with your child or your sister. Your fight is not with the person who was rude to you at Costco. Your fight is not with your uncle on Facebook who votes differently than you. Your fight is not with flesh and blood. Your fight is against the schemes and the strongholds against the darkness and spiritual forces of evil. That's who we're fighting against. And so Paul is telling them, look, be strong in the Lord. You, in strength of his might, put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against these schemes. Well, that sounds a little intense, doesn't it? It is. But, but, but God has equipped us for this battle. As Paul is writing, he's preaching this, he's, for preaching the gospel, he's been thrown in jail. And so he's sitting in jail and he's writing this passage to the, the Ephesians. He's writing to them as a letter. He's telling this church in Ephesus, like, be strong, like, keep going, don't stop. While he's in jail, we're preaching the gospel. That's what he's doing. And you can imagine that while he's looking out of his cell, he sees this guard, this soldier guarding the jail. And he's looking at them, and then he's, he's looking at them, and he starts to talk about the armor of God. And you can almost see as you're reading this, like, he's looking at, at this soldier wearing his armor. He's like, okay, yeah, that, that's what this is, and that's what this is. And he's tying all these things together. And so as Paul's reading, he continues, he writes this, he goes, Therefore, this is uh, chapter 6, verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having and having done all to stand firm. We stand firm in the armor of God. What is this armor? Verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In the Roman armor, which Paul was looking at, everything, all the stuff that they were wearing, tied in with this belt. Like if you took the belt off, everything else kind of came off with it. Right? So you had to have the belt on. And the belt that he's talking about, the belt that he says that, that, that we need to have fastened tightly around our waist is the belt of truth. This is the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, and it ties our armor together. Again, last week I said this. Uh, this is another reason why I think you should avoid conspiracy theories like the plague. Just stay away from them. Because the truth of the gospel is what's tying everything together. That's tying it, and that's the truth that we have. It ties into the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is what protected all the vital organs of the soldier and protected everything. And so when we live upright, when we live humble, it will protect us. Shoes with the gospel of peace. Wherever I find my feet, whether it's in a struggle, whether it's in a fight, whether it's in a disagreement, when I'm in a place where everything's good, when I'm in a place where I don't know what to do, wherever I find my feet, the gospel of peace is there. And what's the gospel of peace? That Jesus will never leave me 
nor will he forsake you. Paul continues in verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation. When the enemy lobs doubt, confusion, deception, fear, anxiety at you, you have the shield of faith. You have the shield that God is true to his word, and that you can stand on it, and you can believe it. You have this shield that can extinguish the flaming darts. You have the helmet of salvation. This is covering your mind and your thoughts. Not, not about what you have done, but what Jesus has done for you. And so when we talk about how how we're not justified by our own works. Listen, the salvation that you have is not about you getting everything right. The salvation you have is because Jesus has set you free. And so we have this helmet of salvation. And so guess what? There's going to be days where you mess up. There's going to be days when you fail. There's going to be days when your, your salvation doesn't leave you. Because Jesus has done this for us. Up to this point, everything that Paul has listed here in Ephesians chapter 6 has been defensive. Everything is about defending ourselves against the attack that's coming at us. But he also gives us some offensive weapons. Let's continue reading Ephesians 6, verse 17. He says this, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Your offensive weapons in the fight that you're in are the Word of God and prayer. The word of God and prayer are your offensive weapons. These are, these are what we fight with when we're fighting against, against the enemy, when we're fighting against strongholds, when we're fighting against schemes and, and, and things that are happening in the spiritual. When we're fighting, we fight those battles in, with the word and with prayer. Here's the thing what we talked about last week. We talked about knowing who our enemy was. And the reason why that's important for you and I to remember this, and I, I have made this mistake I cannot tell you so many times. If I will go into a discussion with someone and I will try to win an argument to prove that I'm right, using Bible verses. You guys start trying to do that? They're not the person I'm fighting against. They're not, they're, they're someone who needs love and who needs grace and who needs acceptance. Now there is truth, and I can bring truth to that, but I'm not trying to crush them with it. I'm trying to wrap my arms around them and show that there's love and acceptance and grace and peace that are, that's at the foot of the cross. The one, the same thing that I receive. We don't destroy other people with the Bible. We use it as something that lifts us up. What we do is we destroy the ideas and the schemes of the enemy with the scripture. And so the deception that someone's in, the, the deception that they're under, the way of thinking that's controlling their lives, that's what we strongholds and darkness. Paul ends with this. He says in Ephesians chapter 18, verse 20. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication with that is that's just prayer, that's asking God for things, making supplications for all the saints. For and as from and also for me, that, that words may be given to me in open in open opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the message of the gospel for which, and this is where he ties it in with the second Corinthians uh, letter that he wrote for which I am an ambassador in James that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak 
He ends this reminding us that when we are in a fight, and you need to always know this, when you're in a fight, that's the time that you're going to feel the most alone, the most isolated. You're going to feel like there's no one there to help you, that the world is against you, that, 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 things are, that, that you're alone in what you're doing. But what he says here reminds us that we are never alone in our fight. And so what we have to do is we have to do two things. First off is when we're in the fight, we're in the battle, we have to remind ourselves that we're not alone. But when we're not in the battle and we want to, we're just living our lives, going about our daily, daily lives, we have to remember that other people are in a battle too. And so we need to be people of encouragement. We need to be people of, of prayer. We need to be people of lifting each other up. We need to be people that, that sends notes and letters and, and, and messages to people saying, hey, um, I'm praying for you. I believe in you. Just keep fighting. Don't give up. Keep doing what you're doing. We should pray for one another. We should support one another. And we should encourage one another. That's what Paul ends this whole idea of this warfare that we're in and this fight that we're in. It's not against other people. It's against Satan. And we have all these tools at our disposal, this armor and these weapons at our disposal that we're, we're supposed to be fighting with, but we're not fighting alone. This is why church is important. This is why coming to church like this is important for us. You know, and I know that, that COVID has made it hard and weird to come to church. I know that things are happening. I know this, but this is why this is important. It reminds us that we are not alone. We're fighting together. We're fighting against the darkness and we're fighting uh, for Jesus. You might feel right now that you're the only person standing for truth. Maybe in your family, maybe in your work. You, you, may, you may feel that. You may turn on the TV and you're like, God, what is happening in our world? And you may feel like you're the only one, but listen, you are not. You may be beaten up. You may be tired from fighting. Shields get heavy. Swords get heavy. You may be tired, but you are not alone. Keep going. Keep fighting. Don't take it out on other people, but take it out, uh, take it to God. Take your struggles to God. Take your pain to God. Take your, take your whatever's happening to God. Confess his word and repent. And when we do that, he's going to lead us.